It's time to stop reimagining things and actually start changing them. Tune in to Recalibrate with Samsung, where we'll discuss how technology is changing the way we work, connect, and live our lives. On this episode of Recalibrate, we're joined by iRacing commentator Sean Ambrose and market-scale creative producer Dennis McInerney, who dive deep into e-gaming, e-sports, online gaming competitions, and where 5G fits into the equation. Now here's your host, Jason Claybrook. Today we have Dennis from MarketScale, gamer extraordinaire amongst other things he does, and on the line, we have Sean Ambrose, an old friend of mine, who's got a really unique story, and there's a roundabout way that we'll get into some 5G stuff, but today we are gonna talk about gaming and online gaming and all kinds of things that are happening in eSports. This conversation started with one of our earlier podcasts. I was kind of scratching my head on this whole Twitch deal, and I got on social media, and, and being the, I guess, really showing my age, I put out there and said, I really don't get Twitch. I don't get all this investment, time, money, and everything. And Sean was the first one to pop up and said, you're an idiot. There's a ton <laughs> of money here, and I've completely changed my life. So so you moved from Dallas-Fort Worth area. You're in the mountains in California, loving life. And walk us through being a commentator daily. What? What? How many – tell us about who's racing. Is it just – you know, for somebody like me that's kind of an idiot about these things, I kind of have visions of 14-year-olds wearing braces and and sitting behind a 19-inch monitor. And you're <laughs> telling me your brother's got a $30,000 rig set up. So educate me. Well, let's see. Everything we do currently is, is on the iRacing platform, iRacing.com. Very easy to find. Uh, it's full immersion, simulated motorsports, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, uh, sports car racing. Um, one of the keys to iRacing or one of the big selling points is the immersion factor. And certainly some go to great lengths to really get into that immersion. Um, VR, of course, has become huge over the past several years. So guys aren't spending as much on monitors anymore as they used to, at least those that are comfortable in the VR environment. Uh, Do you ever play around in VR, Sean? I personally have not. I'm a little claustrophobic, so it's a tough thing for me. <laughs> uh, I tried it. I just, And, and you're going to find that. I, I think some people like it and really like it, and then there's some people that just can't handle it so and i'm probably one of those that fall under the just can't handle it yeah that makes sense it yeah, seems like yeah. i've i've noticed a lot just you know being online youtube twitch and stuff like that a lot of the racing games are kind of pivoting towards that vr aspect because it is so kind of immersive like you said um i'm curious as far as the series and all the different shows that you work on within kind of the commentating aspect of what you do what are what's the audience kind of like is it most? I know Jason just said he, he pictures you know fourteen year old kids with braces behind mm-hmm. a nineteen inch monitor. I'm curious because it seems like you know a thirty thousand dollar investment is considerably steep, especially for kids in that age range. So is it sure. mostly like older yeah, hobbyists and that. stuff? 
I'm not <laughs> okay. that for my kids. So, again, there are people out there spending that kind of money on on simulation rigs uh, to, to, to run iRacing. Uh, but quite honestly, you can sit at your folding little uh, end table tray with a uh, very simple wheel bolt to it bolted to it you could probably spend just south of two hundred dollars on a wheel and pedals a monthly subscription to iRacing and you're ready to go now of course you have to have a decent modern computer to to run uh, the demands of uh, of the programming and you know, the program itself but uh, you can do it on a budget for sure and you could be very competitive there are a lot of champions out there uh, in this realm of iRacing that do it in the very simplest of means. It just depends on what you're willing to put forth and, and what you can possibly do. But the audience where you started with this question is anywhere. Our demographic is anywhere from about eight years old up to 68 years old. Um, we've got a guy that runs on Saturday nights in one of the series that we cover that was building uh, uh, cars, race cars back in the 50s. He think he's 82, uh, and he runs weekly and is probably one of the more competitive drivers in that series. So, uh, again, it's kind of all over the road. How old did you say? He's 82. He's 82. Yeah. Probably safer he's off the road. <laughs> probably. <laughs> That's a fantastic point. Yeah. So, so when I pull up iRacing.com, I see um, very similar to what you see on – Sundays during racing season, I see a lot of advertisements. So obviously the likes of NASCAR and Indy League, they're getting into this. And your typical sponsors, you know, I'm looking at a hood right now that's got the National Guard on it. So is that advertisement being paid for by by National Guard or Coca-Cola or, you know, any other company out there? Well, actually in iRacing, no. Um, that adver- now I will tell you that this the various series such as NASCAR and um, the World of Outlaws, uh, other other series like Porsche are putting money into iRacing to support championship series and putting up prize money. Uh, but as far as advertising money? goes, um, they're really uh, iRacing has licensing affiliations and agreements with certain sponsors. Uh, I'm not privy to that information because at the Global Sim Racing Channel, we sell our own advertising uh, and create licensing agreements with other advertisers uh, to run spots on our network. And I guess we haven't talked much about what GSRC does yet, but we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, it looks like you guys' partner list is pretty deep. I mean, I'm seeing you know Volkswagen, Audi, a lot of the big names, BMW. It's really cool to see kind of that level of, I guess, commitment from different like large-scale brands, especially within that space. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, I mentioned Porsche. They, I think, over the past two years, they've invested almost two hundred thousand dollars into iRacing championship money. So, where so it's you- not on the realm of Fortnite or League of Legends or or something like that. Uh, those bigger esports plat- uh, platforms. This is getting bigger every year, and iRacing is now 11 years old. 
Well, and you're from the area, Sean, but you might be interested to know that Dallas Morning News just launched an eSports section of their Sports Day platform. And I was reading through it last night. In fact, I have it pulled up. They have, I think it's called Dallas Fuel, which is a sports team, and they're playing Overwatch. Yeah, I say that like pretty big team from Dallas. Right, so they've got a lot of personal stories about the people that are playing this where you know, they're going by their handles, but they're, you, you actually get introduced to their real name, their given names, not only their, is it, is it a handle? What do you, what do you uh, call Yeah, that? usually handle or uh, a lot of them, it's just their username for the most part. Username? Yeah. So, and I found it interesting that one of these guys who's from uh, South Korea was actually banned for a little while because he played on somebody else's account and got got suspended. Yeah. There's so a lot of rules. Leveling up people's somebody else's account. So, um, you know, and eventually I want to get into talking about you know what I do for a living and how it impacts us. But I'd like to learn a little bit more about kind of your transition, Sean, and what GSR's done to um, how does that become a viable way for you to leave the insurance industry? <laughs> well, uh, the Global Sim Racing Channel, I got that opportunity six years ago to commentate. And I commentated for about four years. Full-time job? And uh, No, not really. It, it, honestly, small amount of money, extra money monthly. But that grew into more because I started commentating more. And the demand uh, got got bigger, uh, GSRC got bigger, continued to grow, and a couple of years ago I got an opportunity to become a partner in the company, and since then we've grown even more, and uh, basically that has turned into a living for me now because <laughs> I'm a partner, and we broadcast on average about a, a little over 70 hours a month, and our business model is basically this. We provide broadcasting for iRacing events. Uh, our clients are members of iRacing who are involved in leagues or, or administrators or owners of their own leagues. They come to us for an hourly rate. We provide the production and commentating for an iRacing broadcast. And that's been the model since GSRC started about six years ago. So that's really interesting, the production side of things. Uh, I was talking with a coworker of mine the other day, just talking about you know Fortnite and all the different games they have out now, mm -hmm. and how the production value is you know steadily increasing over time. I'm curious, what is the production like on you guys' end? What does that usually entail for you know a big series event or a big race? Okay, well, it involves from from the start. I'll just do a, a quick capsule. Uh, we get contacted, we provide a quote, uh, then we make an agreement with the client, then we schedule the event, we schedule the commentators, and then behind the scenes, we prep the graphic, uh, graphic needs for the event, uh, timing and scoring graphics, things of that nature, much like you'd see on NBC, Fox, any of the major networks that cover motorsports. And then uh, the commentators involved will create a, a script, if you will, uh, about the event, a format to follow. Uh, 
And on the production side and the back end, we prep the event with our software, our streaming software. We run the iRacing service and uh, we pipe that in through our streaming software uh, along with our timing and scoring software and our commentators connect through communication software and then we stream that event live. Uh, currently we, we multi-stream it to YouTube, Twitch and Facebook. Most of our events, I'd say about 95% of them all go out that way currently. How much, how much bandwidth do you need for that? Well, from the production end for the streamer, and let's just say I'm doing production for a certain event, not commentating. I'm actually doing the streaming and running the timing and scoring and all the graphics and everything. Uh, that takes a minimum of about 10 megs up. Okay. So I have a, a pretty beefy package that averaged me about 20 to 25 megs up. But uh, 10 is kind of the minimum required to, to do that. So our upload is actually, for the streaming end of it, is more important than our download speed. And if you're a contestant, if you're, I guess, racing against other right. people, I yeah. would imagine these people are all, all over the country or possibly all over the world. What do they need for bandwidth? What's their upstream you know, and downstream needs? They can generally get by on the most basic of connections certainly not dial up or <laughs> anything old school at this point there's some squatching in the uh, background yeah. i still hear that sound in my uh dreams i hear them in my nightmares <laughs> yeah um but like i said with the with the most basic of connection you can compete on the service now it's preferred that you're on a wired connection but I know plenty of people that are hotspotting these days as the connections have improved. We haven't gotten to talking about that yet, but especially in the iRacing world, connection is super important, not just from the streamer's end, but from the competitor's end as well, the, the member that's you know actually racing the event. So, it, right, if I am racing, if Dennis and I are racing and we're on two different connections, right now and my connection's faster has better latency characteristics i'm probably going to have a competitive advantage right it almost be like having steroids or yeah, human definitely. growth hormone and and i could jack up 72 home runs in, well, in a given season <laughs> it's it's not quite that simple because if you're both within a certain range of each other uh as long as the person you're competing again is fully connected okay uh then they will be just as competitive as you the problem is is loss of connection any loss of connection at any point is what we call net code um, which is a gamer's term it's yeah it's official that term. one for me you and i were talking and you brought up net code and and being in the telecom industry i was like oh that's this but let's go through your uh all dennis Sean, y'all have different vocabularies in the gaming world than what all of us yeah, data wonks have in telecom. I've never heard of netcode before. You haven't? No, okay. I'm curious. All right. So it's it's very a popular term in iRacing, but it, it basically is just the loss of synchronization between the clients and the servers. Okay. 
It's like, some, it's like lag or something. Along. Exactly. Okay. It's latency lag. It's the same thing, but that... Latency is the time it takes for me to communicate and get the acknowledgement back as a function of time. So, correct. So is it a latency problem that you guys have, or is it just a loss of connectivity because it's not a guaranteed service or it's not continuous? It, it sometimes cannot be continuous. And okay. when that happens, there can be a total loss of connection to the server, thus eliminating you from the competition, and then you have to reconnect back. And now this, this happens not often, okay, um, because the connections have gotten better. iRacing continues to improve everything on the back end with every update, with every release, and uh, but it's still not a perfect medium. This this net code, these issues, they still continue to happen uh, to the point of you'll see maybe phantom contact uh, on track at times, where maybe two cars will get close to each other but not exactly touching, and and then one goes around. It's that synchronization issue between the client and the server that I talked about that causes the game engine to kind of to, to create that situation of what we call netcode. Mm, okay. I guess when we were talking about offline, what I visualized from a 5G perspective in this coming new network that's being built out right now is there's some unique characteristics about it that are that we just haven't seen before. Um, we all know that there's extremely high speeds available, a lot of bandwidth available. Um, the latency characteristics can be astronomical, in some cases under 10 milliseconds um, on, on your latency. But one of the things I kind of always harp on is this idea in the 5G standard of having a minimum of 50 megabits continuous. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, but 50 meg all the time. And it sounds to me like if every single one of your players, as well as your production and post, or your, yeah, the production of the commentating, the simulation, if you all had that minimum guarantee with predictable latency, you're leveling the playing field for all c competitors that are in there, aside from what they have in their setup at home, whether it's a tabletop mounted wheel and pedals or your brother's Thirty plus thousand dollar simulator. So the competitive advantage shifts to the investment of the player. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a good point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. One thing I was going to say, just in a you know local application here in Dallas, uh, Arlington's new esports arena. I don't know if you're super familiar with it, but uh, they just had an event most recently. It was like a qualifier for Worlds for Fortnite, and. Um, I was thinking, you know, we were in the area, we'd passed by the event, and the first thing that came to my mind was, what does that network infrastructure have to be like to have 120 people all on the network at one time during a, you know, a large-scale match like that? Because any bit of lag or latency issue can possibly, you know, disqualify or, you know, ruin someone's chance of going on to, you know, win $3 million or something like that. Yeah, well, it's... Likely it's going to be Wi-Fi indoor right now. You know, 5G is coming, and indoor it'll eventually get here. We're probably a couple years out from seeing a, a real strong penetration of indoor 
or it could be a DAS system, a distributed antenna where it's using cellular but indoor. For gaming, I would likely, I would venture to guess that it's Wi-Fi. I obviously, I don't know what they've got over in Arlington, but you do have some advancements in Wi-Fi 6, and we've talked about earlier podcasts where you can build a pretty graceful network with personal area networks and with the micro-segmentation. But when we do get to that 5G world and we have 5G indoor, again, these new stadiums, and I know they're building one here in Dallas, one in Denton, I think one in Allen. Uh, actually, they've just built one at the Star in Frisco, which is where oh, the yeah. Dallas Cowboys, that's their practice facility and their headquarters. They now have eSports Arena. Isn't there, a I think they're talking about getting a Vegas. team, right? Yeah, they're talking about getting a team. I'm, I'm catching up on, I guess, the business side of <laughs> eSports. I have not gone out and bought anything and started playing. I don't have time for that. Um, but you, it, there's massive investments in these arenas that are going to require some pretty intense connectivity. Not only from, if you look at the models of the one in Vegas that they have, and Sean, I don't know if you've seen this, but it's almost like stadium seating with, and what they're saying is they're going to have the biggest LED wall ever so that there's immersive way to view other people playing a game. And this goes back to where I started with it and Sean reached out to me because I said, why am I paying money? Why are people paying money to watch people play a game? Yeah. And, right. And get up from it. And it, you start thinking of old, older movies where people are playing a game and people are watching. But I am learning. I'm learning fast. It's a big business. but It definitely uh, is. So and it's changing every day. I mean, the business is evolving. I don't think even you know two years ago you could have predicted the advancements we've seen so far in esports, at least up until this point. <clears throat> no, and, I, and we're seeing the carriers recognize that as well. They're making investments there. Um, so, Sean, I, I kind of want to go back to the racing. We're, we're going to bounce around a little bit. Sure. Get off the network for a second. But um, one of the things you dispelled for me when we talked about this was it's not just the 14-year-old with braces, but you're seeing actual – IndyCar racers or NASCAR racers that are racing sim as well? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Max Verstappen of Formula One notability uh, competes on iRacing regularly. I saw Kyle Larson on there too, at least on you guys' website, right? Yep. Tony Stewart is on regularly uh, racing in the middle of the night with iRacing members and exchanging colorful language with them at times i maybe. would imagine i uh, <laughs> if it's smoke he's gonna it's gonna be colorful but at least nobody's getting punched right uh no uh you can't do that through uh thankfully in, in right. virtual space <laughs> as far as i know yet yeah but uh yeah there, there is more a bandwidth, huge hope springs eternal. <laughs> uh there is a growing segment of real world drivers that are getting on to the iRacing service Dale Earnhardt Jr. has been on the service since the beginning. Wow. He's been a member for 11 years. And uh, I don't know that he races much these days, but guys that work for him, that have driven for him, he met on iRacing. Uh, The Martin Truex story is a perfect example. He literally met Martin Truex Jr. on iRacing one night. And they became friends. And the next thing you know, Martin Truex Jr. was living in his place. 
I, I never heard that. So Truex was an, <laughs> was a sim racer and ended uh-huh. up on racing on Sundays. Yeah, well, that, he didn't start in sim racing, oh, but okay. he was he was on the platform, uh, and that's how he and Dale Jr. got connected. That uh, the sim racing thing goes back to the mid '90s, honestly, when it all first started. I got involved initially in '99. I think Dale Jr. popped on the sim racing scene sometime around 2001, 2002. That's wild. Yeah, so uh, Dale Jr.'s been involved with it for quite some time, off and on, of course, as his popularity rose and his commitments rose. Uh, he wasn't able to compete as much, but he was one of the first guys that started carrying a rig in the in the bus. You know, a little table that he could bolt the wheel on and the pedals and race from the uh, the infield of whatever speedway he was at. You know, you know the visual I have in my head about this. <laughs> the visual I, when you talk about Tony Stewart or Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh-huh. being part of this platform, I you know, in game came out where you could stream it or buy it on Amazon last week and bought it. I saw it in the theater, but that part where Thor is in uh, with fat belly Thor is sitting there and and yelling at the (laughs) kid, I'm going to come and hunt you down. I could just see Tony Stewart or Dale Earnhardt Jr. Getting in an argument with that 14 year old kid with braces. That's that's smoking him on the track. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. God of thunder. (laughs) Now I, at the Global Sim Racing Channel, we're pretty fortunate. We have we have uh, a former real-world IndyCar driver on our staff as a commentator, Richie Hearn. Um, really? On his rookie uh, debut at Indianapolis, finished on the podium in third, uh, and had a pretty darn good career in IndyCar. Uh, commentates for us. Has been for a couple years now. Now, I heard a story recently, and... You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard a story. It might have even just been a rumor about a, a kid that was, I think it was Formula One, similar like sim racing background, mm-hmm. and he got a chance to actually race Formula One like in in real life. I don't know if there's any Lando Norris. Lando Norris. Okay, that's the kid I'm thinking that, of. Yeah, that is yes. So do you do you have any background on that story? That's all I really knew was kind of that headline. But well. I haven't covered many events that he's been in, um, but I do know, started basically as a sim, ra- sim racer and got noticed through that on the iRacing platform, uh, won a couple of world championship competitions, and then I believe qualified for a test drive through winning one of those competitions on iRacing and then that's how he got his opportunity. That's wild. Yeah, it is. And that's happening more. Um, In fact, iRacing starts up again Thursday night with their NASCAR E-Ignite series, which is open to uh, youngsters 13 and under. And they run like Legends cars. um, Smaller, the, the smaller model cars on mm. the iRacing service in competition and then uh, I believe the ultimate prize is a scholarship for uh, the ultimate winner really? that's really awesome wow scholarship so Sean have you seen any um, with the popularity of iRacing in general 
is that helping the leagues? Is that helping NASCAR? Is that helping Indy Racing, Formula One? Um, there's always we we have these shifts in popularity in all of our sports, whether it's baseball, racing, whatever, where either personalities will boost it back up. You know, basketball. You needed somebody to follow Jordan, and it became LeBron, and Kobe was in there. So, are you seeing anything as with the sim racing as a bridge between the more traditional racing leagues? I think so. Um, as we've seen probably over the past ten or fifteen years, motorsports in general has maybe been on, yeah, as far as viewership, has been on the decline, and it's been harder to bring in the younger fans. I think as the simulations, the various racing platforms, whether they be console or PC-based, I think that has helped bring bridge the gap and bring more. Certainly, we've seen the numbers in IndyCar increase over the last couple of years. I think there can be some correlation between what we've seen in sim racing and now as those series, such as IndyCar and NASCAR, begin to get more involved... With platforms like iRacing yeah we're starting to see a tick upwards and some of the younger fans come back and I think sim sim racing in general has had a little bit to do with that uh, I know one of the leagues that we cover the Lionheart IndyCar series on Wednesday nights they have a huge meetup at Iowa uh, Speedway every year they just had it a few weeks ago for the IndyCar race and they had over 40 people show up from their league friends family a big meet up in the infield you're familiar with the scene oh yeah jason yes <laughs> uh and one of the members of their league <laughs> is a uh, real world indycar driver sage Karam, who visited the the campsite there in the infield hung out with them and took pictures and signed autographs and played cornhole with the guys so uh it's awesome. It was a nice, nice big gathering there at Iowa Speedway a couple years ago for those, or a couple weeks ago for those guys. Well, <clears throat> we've talked a lot about the racing aspect, and Sean, thanks so much for sharing all that. I do want to maybe branch out a little bit into some other games, and uh, you know, if I go and look at the projections out there in the market, we're talking about esports being a two and a half billion dollar market by 2023. And in 2019, esports is going to generate a billion dollars for the first time. A billion with a B, which is a little bit mind-boggling, again, for me. And I know I'm playing the idiot in the room here on this, but it's cer certainly worth paying attention to. From a you're a Fortnite kind of player, whenever you're playing that, what, what kind of things do you run into from a networking perspective? Or what have you seen as a fan in that Dennis. Yeah, so I mean, I think when you're looking at esports in general, obviously the people with the best connection are always going to do better just from a competitive standpoint. But when you think about, you know, watching obviously streaming's really big right now. You've got all your big streamers, Ninja, you know, affiliated with Samsung for a little bit. Uh, it's interesting to see the differences in like a high quality, high bandwidth, low latency stream and the streamers that don't have quite that great of a connection. And just, you know, the differences in quality and how it affects the overall, like, viewership as well. Because you can have a stream... I was watching a stream just the other day, and uh, something happened. He lost connection to his network, and 
he went from the guy I was watching, he went from having, I think like 5,500 people watching him to 260 or something within a minute. And if you're thinking about it from a business perspective, that's not so hot when you're losing, you know, 500% of your audience practically. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of things, as 5G starts to get a little bit more introduced into the world of gaming, that'll hopefully be, you know, an issue of yesteryear. Yeah, I kind of look at it as the democratization of esports. So it really comes back to what the player is able to bring to the table. Of course, you have your computer, or your setup, whatever, whatever you need to actually play the game. But as far as that connectivity, once that's once everybody has that available or it's available in the arenas and then it's going to democratize the outcome and make it really about the capabilities of the player or the team. Yeah. Um, like I was saying earlier, the Dallas Morning News now has dedicated journalists and people that are writing Seeking these stories, stories out, yeah. about about these teams of – you know, and they're not all kids. Sean pointed that out, but you know, I've learned about OG in the last 24 hours, and I can't tell you the guy's name. I know he's from South Korea. He got banned, and he's he's 19 years old, and he's maturing. But uh, it's a fascinating article when you read through it, and I have to pull out a cheat sheet and look at the acronyms and go, oh, okay, yeah, F FSP, first player, sh or FPS, yeah. first player shooter which years ago I would play Call of Duty, but that was all by myself for two days after, during a holiday break and say, okay, I've, I'm unplugged, I'm back to work. Yeah, you got some so, time to kill, I got, literally. Yeah, that, yeah, something like that. It's interesting, um, when, you, when you think about esports, it's kind of like a dichotomy almost. You have the super competitive aspect of it where you know, it's these high tier competitions between, you know, it's very skills based. And then the other side of it where you have like the streaming aspect where a lot of it's more so like entertainment. Yes. You know, the personalities, stuff like that. I think it's interesting. The commentators. Yeah, the commentators, exactly, like Sean. Yeah. It's interesting, you were saying earlier that you guys broadcast to Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. I think that's really cool in the sense of, you know, getting that message and kind of that, I guess, b the side of the business a little bit more so out to a broader audience. Yeah, uh, but we try to get it out to as many people, as many eyes as we can. It's really about, you know, bringing recognition to the iRacing service. And I kind of wanted to go back to what you were saying about esports and the industry and that it's going to be a billion dollar industry this year. Uh, fortunately or unfortunately, iRacing is still very niche compared to some of the platforms that you know, the other platforms we're talking about, such as Fortnite and, and some of the other uh, uh, big esports arena type uh, competitions that are going on, uh, iRacing is a very, very, very small corner of, of esports and still trying to get its legs within that community and, and uh, a bigger slice of that pie. Uh, so that's that's the need for multi-streaming to different platforms and getting it out there. And one of the other things I do at GSRC is I'm the social media manager, and that's a big part of what we do too. I mean, uh, getting the message out through social media, promotions, awareness, uh, it's all part of the bigger puzzle of trying to get more people to watch. Uh, 
and I'm excited about 5G coming from the sense of what you were just talking about and the fact that we may have a guaranteed space that will increase the uh, one, the level of immersion to uh, the acceptability of the platform. Nobody likes getting disconnected from a race when you're in the middle of a 500 mile event in real time and you've got 30 laps to go and all of a sudden you have a dropout that disconnects you from the server. If 5G can bridge that gap, uh, I think we've got a real winner on our hands. I think it'll cure a lot of ills. It won't cure all ills. It's still the connectivity piece. It's not the right. server. But it'd be interesting to see where those dropouts do occur, if it's a function of the, of the connectivity or if it's on the server client side. But um, this, is, this is fascinating stuff, and I would like to maybe explore this again in a few months, see how things are tracking, see maybe how GSR is growing, Sean, and, and um, learn a little bit more about Fortnite or Overwatch. And re all these different media choices are really fascinating. And the more we have substantial connectivity and continuous connectivity, think we're going to see some of those more traditional media consumptions we've already seen it you know you've had it's not just cable operators providing you tv channels it's like so hulu it's netflix it's amazon as well as your traditional media companies and now you have tony stewart racing on a sim and sean you're calling it and telling them to go, that you're going green right yeah <laughs> what was the going green how did you come up with that Let's end, it, let's end it with a good story. How'd you come up with that tagline? Okay. Um, you're a ticket listener there in the area, right? Yeah, 1310 the ticket. <laughs> he won day one. Okay, same here. So, uh, Giorgio, George Dunham, uh, of many nicknames, none of them approved. Job. Uh, so, he was uh, uh, the radio guy for North Texas for years, and there was a a game uh, where he issued the uh, the line, do you, do you believe in the mean green? Uh, referring yeah. to the North Texas Eagles. Mm -hmm. And my son, who has been a student there for the past five years, he's making a career out of it at this point. It's <laughs> um, Van Wilder-esque. Uh, very proud dad here. Very, very uh, proud dad of a UNT student. But uh, the whole call to green kind of started as a little bit of a call out to uh, Jub and and to North Texas and we're mean green and underway and that's how it kind of started. <laughs> that's, that's fun. That's very cool. All right. So how do, so that's how you started. Is there anything you do to end it? Uh, well, usually in when there's like 20 laps to go, uh, sometimes I will reference the fact that it's time to boogie. Uh, by dropping the disco ball down and getting everybody out on the floor for an all skate. And, uh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've done that for a while too, but every commentator we work with has their own little, little thing. When we sign off our broadcasts at uh, the Global Sim Racing Channel, uh, everybody signs off with race... Uh, hang on a second. <laughs> 
race clean, race hard, and we'll see you on the track. Um, that's kind of become our signature tagline out of every broadcast, and so all the commentators use it now. Well, take us but, out. Okay. Well, guys, thanks a lot for having me on. I'm Sean Ambrose from the Global Sim Racing Channel, and we ask you to race clean, race hard, and we'll see you on the track. All right. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Dennis. Adios. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recalibrate. For previous and upcoming episodes, or for more of our content, you can head to samsungnetworks.com, or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.